everyone, Peggy Stanton here. As the Place of Peace continues its farewell tour, encoring some of our best shows, none seems more appropriate today than a show recorded a year ago with Dr. Scott Hahn talking about the need for a civilization of love, just as our TV screens are revealing the destructive chaos wrought by a civilization of hate. Peace does not begin with presidents and prime ministers. It begins with you and it begins with me. It begins in our hearts and only from there can it expand to our homes, from our homes to our communities, from our communities to the country, from the country to the world. But the process cannot be reversed. We cannot have five people negotiating for world peace in Paris, London, or Geneva who have no peace in their own hearts. Nor can we expect to live in a civilization of love if we have no love in our own hearts. Years ago, I began a foundation whose mantra was peace through love. When I put down Scott Hahn's latest book, It is Right and Just, I concluded that's basically what his book is all about. Hello everyone, Peggy Stanton here, your host on A Place of Peace. We are so blessed to have as our guest Dr. Scott Hahn. Dr. Hahn is the Father Michael Scanlon Professor of Biblical Theology and the New Evangelization at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, whom you are familiar with on this show because uh, Father Dave Pavanka, who is the president of the university, has been on this show at least three times. Dr. Hahn is the founder and president of the St. Paul Center, an apostolate dedicated to teaching Catholics to read scripture from the heart of the church. Dr. Hahn is married to Kimberly Hahn, whom you've heard on this show several times, and they've been married for 41 years. They have six children and 20 grandchildren. Dr. Hahn is the author and editor of over 40 books, and the latest book, is the one that we're going to talk about. It is called It Is Right and Just, and I love this book. It had me thinking about peace, which has been a subject I've been so involved with for so long in many different ways. So, Dr. Hahn, welcome. Thank you for joining us. You are so welcome, Peggy, and thank you for the invitation. Now, what I always do is ask the guest if they will lead us in an opening prayer, and I know you can do this. (laughs) <laughs> will you please? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of peace. In his name, we ask you for the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us and to give us all that we need to build up the body of Christ and to share the gospel of peace. Hear us, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. There are four really major areas in this book that you talk about, and these words keep coming up again and again, as true religion, the virtue of true religion, peace, justice, and love, as in the civilization of love. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We are not living in a civilization of love right now, I don't think. Do you? I certainly don't, yes. So I would say this, I I do think you have nailed it with those terms, and that captures something that I believe is part of our tradition, part of our patrimony, but it's been practically forgotten, and that is the relationship not only between peace and justice, 
but also between religion and justice, especially true religion. And mm-hmm. what we do, Brandon McGinley, my co-author, and I in the opening, the first five chapters or so, we set forth something that is in the catechism, it's certainly in sacred scripture, mm-hmm. but it's not in the minds or memories of most Catholics, and that is justice is not only transactional, mm-hmm. you know, paying mm-hmm. for your groceries. Mm-hmm. Justice is not also just social, you know, mm-hmm. what we call distributive justice, right. uh, obeying the traffic laws and paying our taxes. If justice is giving to others what we owe them, then we owe God more than any mm-hmm. creature. Mm-hmm. And this is why Jesus stipulates that the greatest command is Deuteronomy 6.5, to love the Lord your God with all of your mm-hmm. heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all of the other laws. The rabbis counted 613 laws in the Torah of Moses. And Mm -hmm. so, basically, you would conclude 611 other statutes all have to do with loving God above all Mm -hmm. and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so, even Cicero, Mm pre-Christian Rome, Mm -hmm. writing about justice, recognized that religio Mm -hmm. is the highest form of justice. And Aquinas Mm -hmm. calls justice the chief moral virtue, but he Mm -hmm. also picks up on Cicero and Augustine and says... Religion is the highest virtue, the virtue of virtues. And virtues are to the soul what muscles are to the body. Mm. When you lack virtue, you're not able to stand. You're not able Mm. to move in the moral life, in the spiritual Mm -hmm. life, in the social order. And so peace depends upon this in a way Mm. that is lost and forgotten because religion is not only the opium of the masses for Karl Mm. Marx. Religion is you know, irrelevant in the public square. And now more and more people are saying it's not just irrelevant. It's also dangerous. If you bring your religion into Mm -hmm. the public square or to the Capitol or anywhere else, Mm -hmm. you know, you are verging toward insurrection or you are verging towards a kind of treasonous violation. Mm -hmm. And we've got a lot to rethink. And fortunately, Peggy, I think the scriptures, the catechism, you know, the, the magisterium has set forth the principles that we use in this book. And it's a funny thing, because as you might know, I... I came out with two books in 2020. The first one was called Hope to Die. It came out right after COVID. (laughs) So (laughs) after the COVID pandemic locked everything down, Mm -hmm. I come out with a book called Hope to Die, The Christian (laughs) Meaning of Death and the Resurrection of the Body. Too bad a lot of people didn't read it, (laughs) including Dr. Fauci. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. It it ended up becoming something of a runaway bestseller in the first five or six months, and I'm, Did it. I'm glad yeah. for that. But yeah. yes, it, it sold tens of thousands. But the other book is this one, It Is mm. Right and Just, which came out just days after a rather unforgettable presidential election, <laughs> which lasted for days and weeks, and even now, yeah. we, you know, we I don't think it's the, over yet. We, we look back in the 20th century, <laughs> it's certainly not. And so Catholics can either give into despair, or they can simply compromise and bind themselves to a political party. Now, we've got to stay engaged, involved right. as Catholic citizens in America, mm-hmm. but we've got to be Catholic first and American second. That's the best right. gift we can right. give to America. But it's also the case that, you know, while you have to plant the fall crop so you have food through the winter, we've also got to realize that as Catholics, we don't just think in terms of election cycles. We really must think in terms of generations, centuries, mm-hmm. like the church mm-hmm. does. And in that case, we've got to be willing to plant forests that we might not be alive when those trees really mm-hmm. grow up. And so, right. as you mentioned, we've got six kids. We've got now mm-hmm. 20 grandkids. And so yeah. planting a forest, we're going to be basically providing them wood to build their houses, for furniture, you know, for mm-hmm. their fireplace. 
Right. You know, we won't be around on earth, and yet we've got to plant the seeds mm-hmm. that are going to lead people to imagine that there could be a Christian culture, there could be a Catholic society once again, as there has been in the past, even though Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations to fishermen, tax collectors, at the time of the Roman Empire. Yeah, right. What are the chances? And yet, the blood of the martyrs, the faithfulness of married couples, the spread of Catholic family life brought about what we now call Christendom, and that is a Catholic civilization. It was flawed. It was very far from perfect. But we don't even allow ourselves to hope for that sort of thing for ourselves, even for our grandkids and our great-grandkids. And so this is to kind of stir up the embers and rekindle Mm. that fire of hope that we need to endure. And so I'm kind of excited about this book because I never imagined a more perfect time in my 63 (laughs) years to... Make a statement here. Well, you know, you mentioned Cicero, so I'm going to jump over several other questions I had because it brings to mind one of the things, though Cicero had no Christian, obviously he was a pagan, but there was one stipulation that he believed, you mentioned in the book, and we hold that in very firmly in our Christian faith, and that is the end does not justify the means. Well, I think, would you think that maybe Christians have gotten into that mode where those of us who are extremely pro-life might overlook a lot of flaws in a person or a politician simply because they are for the beliefs that we hold? I mean, that's, that's what well, others will accuse us of. The end justifies the means. Well, I do think we can tolerate the lack of virtue in allies, in partners, especially in politics, which is not wrong to say is the art of compromise. Mm. But the compromise involves a toleration, not an emulation. Mm. So we're not imitating the vices of others that we're working with. Mm -hmm. But I do think you put your finger on it again. That is, we've got to not allow the ends to justify the means, but we mm. do need to clarify what are the ends, what are the mm. goals. And mm-hmm. for us, it's not just being a good citizen. It's nothing less than becoming a saint. For apart from holiness, we shall not see God, as the writer mm. of Hebrews reminds us. Right. And so holiness, I'm convinced, is the thing that we need mm-hmm. more than my next breath of air, my mm-hmm. next meal, or a good night's yeah. sleep. Mm-hmm. Holiness is the object of our hope, because that alone will get us to heaven. And we don't just want it for ourselves, but say, not Kimberly. No, of course I want it for my wife, but then not my kids. No, I want it for my kids, but not the neighbor's kids. Well, Mm -hmm. that's absurd. So if you want it for yourself, your spouse, your kids, and the neighbors who you love as yourself, where does it stop? My neighborhood, but not the city of Steubenville. Steubenville, but not Ohio. Ohio, but not the other 49 states. America, but not the other countries. Holiness is what caused the Christian faith to spread, because holiness is contagious, mm-hmm. if it's real. Mm-hmm. And so holiness is the goal, the end, because that's the door through which we enter into mm-hmm. heaven. Now, holiness is you know, the object of our hope, but we've got to remember that hope is that virtue that strives for future goods that are difficult. And in this case, holiness is not just difficult, it's humanly impossible, apart from the Holy Spirit working through the sacraments in Mm -hmm. the church with the help of the saints and the angels. And so if we're going to celebrate sacraments, the only way we can live them out safely, 
is to do this in a way that is contagious, that is mm-hmm. part of the new evangelization. So in a certain sense, this Catholic political vision is not about monarchy mm-hmm. or democracy or anything in between. It's simply about faithfulness. As Mother Teresa would remind us, it's mm-hmm. always about faithfulness, not success. So we're not looking at actuarial tables and say, well, what are the chances for the Republicans mm-hmm. in four mm-hmm. years, the Democrats right. or independents? There's nothing wrong with looking at the short term, mm-hmm. but it's completely defective if we're not thinking of the long haul. And so this book is accessible. It's readable. It's less than 200 pages. And it's Mm -hmm. just trying to jumpstart. It's trying to awaken the slumbering giant of Catholics in America to recognize that, wow, this vision has been hiding for so long, but in plain view. It's, It's really at our fingertips. It's in the catechism, for example. And to me, that is the exciting part, because this isn't like speculative, controversial. It really is what the church is asking of the faithful, you know, and not just in the tradition, but also in Vatican II. We we quote one of my biggest surprises when I was reading through the catechism mm. was to discover that the catechism is so clear about the duty of religion as mm-hmm. the highest form of justice, the true religion. In mm-hmm. 2104, all men are bound to seek the truth, especially in what concerns God and his church, and to embrace it and to hold on to it. And then the next article... 2105 is even stronger. The duty of offering God genuine worship concerns man both individually and socially. This is the traditional Catholic teaching on the moral duty of individuals and societies toward the true religion, the one church of Christ. And then it quotes Vatican II, by constantly evangelizing people, the church works toward enabling them to infuse the Christian spirit into the mentality and mores, but also the laws and structures of the communities in which they live. The social duty of Christians is to respect and awaken in each person the love of the true and the good. It requires them to make known the worship of the one true religion which subsists in the Catholic and Apostolic Church. It goes on to talk about the social kingship of Christ. Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, regardless of who is in the White House. That's not only comforting, it's true. It's not wishful thinking. It isn't a pious platitude. Sometimes the clouds are so dark and they hover Mm. so long, we tend to think that the puddles are more real than the sun, which we can't see. But the fact is, you know, Christ will guide and get us through this. Don't you think a lot of the problem is, as you say, holiness, and holiness, as I emphasized in the beginning, begins with us and in our own hearts and... I think that's where it's missing with, or at least it's not visible to a lot of people. They really do not think that we live what we espouse. Well, I think they're right when they say that about us, and it's also true of them. But, you know, holiness is not something that the sacraments make easy or automatic. Holiness is something that the sacraments and the Holy Spirit make possible. Mm. And it's always an endurance. It's always a, a struggle. You know, Aquinas nailed it when he said, what is holiness? It's the perfection of love. Mm -hmm. Well, that starts with the Holy Spirit, who is the love of the Father and the Son, and the love of the Son for the Father. And that Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh, Mm -hmm. so that what Jesus said right before he left to the 11 disciples that we call the Great Commission is, Mm -hmm. all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He didn't say it will be given at the end of time. It's now been given to me as he ascends to be the king of kings. Mm -hmm. And so he continues, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He's not saying, you know, just sanitize, clean up the earth. Like Vatican II said, the object, the goal is to sanctify the temporal order, to make it holy. 
But go and make disciples of all nations? Mm. You mean make mm. disciples in these nations? No, mm. the nations themselves. And so Armenia converted before Constantine was baptized, mm. Ethiopia as well, mm. and India, and many other mm. parts of the globe that we don't know much about mm-hmm. became Christian cultures, Catholic nations, Orthodox in their faith, striving not for utopia, but for a civilization of love and mm. justice. And then he continues baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because apart from the sacraments, none of this is possible. And then he says, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you, not just, you know, the truths that the culture already accepts, so it's a lowest common denominator approach. No, I mean, this is what we are required to do. This is basically the Great Commission, our marching orders, but instead... You know, we choose that the path of holiness is just too difficult. You know, and finding faults with others, you know, our opponents, the other We find that quite easy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so we say in the liturgy, their fault, their fault, their most grievous Mm -hmm. fault, except Mm -hmm. we don't. (laughs) You know, I I have so much trouble changing my heart when the world makes me think that I can change the hearts of others, much less our opponents. Especially in today's world. You know, you you say peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is actually the presence of justice. Elaborate on that a little bit. Well, this is why we can have peace in the midst of conflict. You can have peace in spiritual warfare. In fact, without peace, you really can't conduct spiritual warfare in an effective way. And so the peace of Christ is established in our hearts, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. on the inside. But then the virtue of religion is expressed principally through the act we call sacrifice. Mm -hmm. We sacrifice to God alone. And even Cicero saw that, and he saw the dangers of superstition, ignorance, Mm -hmm. error, and false religion. He just didn't know the true religion. Mm -hmm. But once you know that, then you have the path of peace. The Catholic Church, I would say, this might sound a little cynical, but it's the only UN that will truly unite the nation. And when Mm -hmm. we recognize that, we realize that you know, we have to work with politicians who make promises and break mm-hmm. them. You know, it mm-hmm. reminds me of what Mark Twain once said, that politicians are like diapers. They need to be changed frequently and for the same reason. <laughs> now, careful. Listen, hand, doctor, you're, you're married to a politician, and, I, and my deceased husband was a politician. <laughs> yeah, and my, and my wife's grandparents were, and it is a noble and a high calling. But at the same time, you recognize that... Uh, God alone, you know, keeps his promises across the board. Mm-hmm. While we might say Trump kept more than most of the presidents before him, regardless, what we're really looking for is for men and women who are going to entrust their hearts, their lives, mm-hmm. to the King of Kings. And even then, the path to peace you know, it yeah. is strewn with boulders and felt mm-hmm. trees and all kinds mm-hmm. of obstacles. So if and only if we seek the kingdom of heaven, then all these things might be added. Our yeah. problem is... We seek first all these things, and we might end up missing out on the kingdom of heaven and lose all these things as well. So first things first, and that is true religion, the holy sacrifice of the Mass. It is just and right. It is our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere. These aren't just lines lifted from the liturgy. These are like laser beams. These are lights that illuminate a really dark world and remind us the sun is still shining even if the clouds are obscuring it. And so I think we need hope. Not Kimberly is by nature an optimist. I'm not. But I am hope-filled. I am joyful. And this truth isn't just 
natural truth that you find in science or philosophy. The sacred mysteries of our faith are the things that we ought to be focusing on much more than all of the bad news of 2020. And as we have learned, 2020 is not just a year, it's a decade. And so we're going to <laughs> I think 2021 might be worse. <laughs> but only if we see this world under the Lordship of Christ do we recognize mm. that it's functioning just fine if what it's designed to be is a saint-making machine. And mm. that's what it is. You know, through our struggles, through our sufferings, we are refined. Through good times, through easy times, we get so comfortable and so mm-hmm. cozy that we think, well, it's just so easy to do good. But that doesn't really add up to carrying the cross each day. Mm-hmm. And so, once again, if we just line up what we profess as our beliefs, we realize that they don't point forward to a democratic or republican utopia. They point forward to the kingdom of heaven, which we long for. And we live out, and the more we do, we can still stand up and speak out. In fact, the more heavenly-minded we are, the more fearless we will be in our earthly actions. And so we can strike the balance, but we have to do it every day through prayer, through the sacraments, through sacred scripture, through healthy family life, or at least, you know, a kind of the mercy of God. That is the medicine that will heal our hearts, our homes, and take this once again beyond religious rhetoric, beyond pious platitudes, You know, it is something I wasn't looking for 35 years ago when I became a Catholic. I was an anti-Catholic. Those who love the truth will find it. And that's Mm -hmm. what Christ says. He doesn't say my kingship is not in this world. He says it's not of this world. So he doesn't need a majority. He doesn't need the military to back him. He doesn't ask his servants to fight and to kill his opponents because his kingdom is the truth. And it's made of the truth. And even if we still have Pontius Pilate saying, what is truth? Like a typical cynical politician, we know, you know, in the Mm -hmm. end, the kingdom of God will triumph, and in between now and the end, it's going to advance, I think, through dark times more than the bright and cheery, easy, breezy times. Now, that's an interesting statement because Poland, for instance, having gone through so oh, much struggle and, and wars and injustice, was very deeply religious underneath it all. And now that they have a so-called freedom, when I was there, I noticed there seemed to be not nearly as much Christianity in actuality as I thought I would see. Yeah, I mean, they seemed to flourish spiritually when they were going through social, cultural upheavals from the Germans or the Soviets, you know. And Russia was the same way, I would say. Mm -hmm. Other countries, too. We don't really take God at his word when Paul tells us, you know, his strength is made perfect in weakness. Mm -hmm. That when I am weak, then I am strong. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, if his strength is made perfect in weakness, then we assume how much more can it get done, you know, in view of our strengths. You know, Mm -hmm. so don't weaken us anymore. Just make us stronger and stronger. And, you know, the resurrection is our hope. And in the Mm -hmm. process, we would say, look, even if we lose, we're going to fall upward because Christ is going to teach the world. You know, as Billy Graham, Kimberly, I once spent an afternoon with him in his cabin down in Montreat. And we asked him, and he he verified this, that his wife, Ruth, who was with us, Mm -hmm. had said on occasion that if God doesn't judge America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah a personal apology. (laughs) But when he judges us, when he punishes us, he's a father. He's not trying to get back at us. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get us back to him. Mm-hmm. And we've got to believe that. Do it's you not think, easy, but it sure is necessary. Well, in that vein, do you think that what we've gone through in the last year is an act of love, shall we put it, from God, in the sense that he's trying to... Yeah. yeah. 
He's trying to bring us back to him and focus on him when we've taken away all kinds of distractions that in our lives, such as pleasure. I believe that's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the judgments of God that Paul describes in Romans 1, 21 all the way to 31, basically God gives us what we want, even when we misuse and abuse our free will. Mm-hmm. And so you hear in verses 22, 24, and 26, three times, so God gave them up. So God mm-hmm. gave them up, mm-hmm. first to impurity, and right. then to perversion, mm-hmm. and then finally to a kind of self-defeating, self-annihilating violence. And, mm-hmm. and, and it becomes a perverse generation, like Jesus called this evil and adulterous generation that he was living mm-hmm. through. We'd have to take out all of the prophets from the Bible in order to assume that America is not subject to the authority of Jesus Christ. He loves us too much to leave us the way we are, and so he has to change us. And when we don't do it willingly, we're going to end up you know, it's like C.S. Lewis. We're either going to say, thy will be done here, or we're going to hear God say, my will be done in eternity. And so this is sanctified Catholic common sense, and really not a whole lot more, but it seems to be in scarce supply. And so Brandon and I had so much fun, but also we had so much excitement because we were making connections with things that every mm-hmm. Catholic would say, yeah, that's true, that's mm-hmm. true, that's true. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we got the necklace that would hold all of these pearls in place, and boy, the overall effect for us was transformative. And so we're not surprised that so many of our readers are saying, what is going on? How come this is not the... Well, it has been taught, mm-hmm. but we can sometimes mm-hmm. forget things when they're inconvenient. And what would you call that necklace if you put it in one sentence in the headline? I would say that the sacred mysteries that we profess line up and then add up to the most beautiful, not just true, not just real, but beautiful and powerful instrument for the transformation of persons, families, communities, and nations. If only we allow the lion of the tribe of Judah to get out of his cage. We think as Catholics to send a lion. Yeah. We've got to let him out of the cage. He will do a much better job if we live out his lordship and take that beyond just a, a kind of pious statement that we nod to and say, amen. We've got to really live it out, especially in hard times. Well, we are out of time, unfortunately, because uh, there's so much more we could talk about, Doctor. But before we close, please tell everybody how they can get your book. Well, the book is entitled, It is Right and Just, Why the Future of Civilization Depends on True Religion. It's published by Emmaus Road, which is the publishing arm of the St. Paul Center, which Kimberly and I established 20 years ago to promote biblical literacy for lay people, biblical fluency for our clergy and our teachers. And so you can go to stpaulcenter.com, stpaulcenter.com. And of course, you can also find it at the usual sites like Amazon and others. But at the St. Paul Center, you'll not only see this book, but all of our other books as well. And you can also see an amazing number of resources for beginners, intermediate, advanced, whatever, so that it can really be retooled in studying scripture, but also applying it in everyday life. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Scott Hahn, for being with us. And I hope one day you can come back and join us again. Join us next week on A Place of Peace.